Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. Good morning, South Elkhorn Christian Church. I'm Jennifer Smith, and I get the extreme honor of serving here as your student minister. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this. I'm truly honored and really excited to be here with you today. I am king of the world, or at least king of the playground. The bell rings and we all go rushing out to the playground. I can just feel it in my bones that today is going to be the day. I run as fast as I can without my glasses sliding off my nose, and there it is. I reach the monkey bars first. I begin to climb the ladder. Each step that I go, I raise my status in the eyes of my classmates. Two of my friends are fighting over the ladder, so I've still got time. I swing my legs over the next bar, and I pull my way through the bars, and I'm sitting on top. I stand on top of the monkey bars, victorious. I am first on the monkey bars today. I am king of the playground. I can see the entire playground from up here. I see all the kids playing on the swing set on the other side and those playing kickball over there. I have never felt so powerful and so tall. That is, until the next kid reached the top of the monkey bars. Still to this day, I'm not sure if that kid pushed me off or if I fell off by myself. After my mom had been called, she took me to the restroom to clean me up. I can still remember staring into the mirror and seeing a sad, small version of myself, tears streaming down my face, leaving streaks in the dirt on my cheeks. I still had pebbles embedded in my forehead and I was bleeding a little bit, but more embarrassingly, I still had pebbles shoved up inside my nose. You see, I had fallen prey to this idea that being on top and being first was the best way to have power in my class. Who knows how many times I may or may not have hurt other kids by pushing past them to race to the top. If I was first, then I was fastest, which meant I was the best. It didn't matter who I left behind in the dirt. If I made it on top, then I was brave and I was strong. If I was on top and king of the playground, who could take away my crown? Turns out, gravity is a pretty equalizing force. But truly, when we are playing individual games, to be the best and to make it out on top, often people get hurt. According to human standards, gaining power and having status are the best ways to come first. Typically, the powerful in this world want to hold onto their power at all costs because that's what we've been taught to do. But perhaps there is a better way. To help us understand, let's focus on a specific book from our scriptures the gospel according to Mark. Mark is the shortest telling of the good news. The word immediately is used 42 times in this book. 
the story moves forward quickly, pushing toward the climax at the end. Throughout this action-packed story, we learn about a man named Jesus, who is supposed to be the king that God has been promising for generations. You see, he gathers up this ragtag crew of disciples who often have no clue what he's talking about. And the reason for this is that Jesus is teaching them an entirely new way of life. He is changing everything they know and how life works. Now, with these major points in mind, let's immediately zoom into the text to, to read about a man asking Jesus about inheritance. If you have your Bibles with you today, please open them up and read along with me. The passage we're reading is Mark 10, 17 through 31. Again, that's Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all, all of these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or siblings or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, siblings, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The word of God for the people of God. Did you notice it? I didn't either the first time I read this story. You see, Jesus is a Jewish person who knows his scriptures really well. He's talking about the Ten Commandments, and then he strangely misquotes one of them. Originally, the command would be, quote, do not covet. Yet Jesus says to the man, do not defraud. 
I looked into this word a bit to try to understand the context of this passage. This word defraud relates to gaining wealth off the backs of low-wage workers. People like the rich man in this story often obtain land from local farmers and families who didn't have as much money. You know, I honestly struggled to have empathy for the rich man in this story. I don't own any land and I'm a struggling seminary student. But perhaps the harder thing to confess is that I struggled to relate to Jesus in this story. The story reveals that Jesus loved the rich man, but I didn't. Jesus loves everyone, even the people we don't really want to. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? I have no right to feel angry or bitter towards this man. Why? Because I am like the rich man. I have plenty of possessions and I have power as a married, college-educated white person. It doesn't always feel like it, but each and every one of us has power of some sort in this life. And even more importantly, we need to remember to love this man as well. After all, Jesus calls us to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves, right? Jesus empowers us to love others even when it's hard. So with that love in mind, what is Jesus saying to the man in this story? Each command he mentions has social implications, especially the remixed do not defraud. It's uncomfortable, but this rich man was likely wealthy through defrauding others, whether intentionally or not. He likely inherited that land and wealth that he had. If anything, he was surely hoping to pass down his wealth to the next generation of his family. Jesus calls this man to sell all that he owned and give the money to the poor because he likely defrauded the poor. Though this man may have been devout, he had more than he needed, which was hurting people in need by not sharing. This call from Jesus is really difficult Everything in our human structures tells us to ignore the fact that gaining power comes from hurting others. Everything in our human structures says to hold on to power and wealth at all costs. Why care about those experiencing poverty when I have my own family to worry about? Yet, this view of the world is broken. The human system is broken because people are getting hurt when we only look out for ourselves. This is one reason why I think Jesus guarantees persecution. To follow his teaching means to challenge the status quo. This story reveals that there are direct social implications for the way we live our lives and the way we use our resources. When people keep their wealth within their families and refuse to share, people get hurt. The human version of inheritance is a vicious cycle. The wealthy man asks Jesus, what can he do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answers with a new version of inheritance, with God's version of inheritance. 
Jesus tells him to sell what he owns, give the money to the poor to follow Jesus. This will allow the man to inherit eternal life or treasure in heaven, as Jesus puts it. The man walks away grieving. The answer to his question is really painful. Giving up his wealth would automatically imply losing his family's inheritance, insulting and breaking ties with his parents and his siblings, giving up his land and his status. Think of how scary and vulnerable it would be to give up everything. He would be giving up everything, his entire life. Or perhaps he would be gaining a new life, a new family, and a new kind of inheritance filled with love, not possessions. Jesus calls us into this different way of life, a different cycle of inheritance. This new life is not bogged down by social status or by trying to strive for more and more. Instead, this new life means understanding power differently. Jesus calls us to give and to follow him. Then we will inherit God's hundredfold inheritance. Not only is this wealthy man walking away from Jesus, but he is walking away from this promised hundredfold inheritance, which he was originally asking Jesus about. The man fails to see that he's walking away from it all. So what is this true inheritance? The human version of inheritance is holding on to power, wealth, and status, keeping it within our families and maybe hurting others through the process. God's true inheritance is giving up personal wealth, personal status, personal power, holding on to things loosely and giving to others, then receiving a hundredfold inheritance through shared communal resources in God's kingdom. This inheritance involves new family, new shared resources, persecutions, but also treasure in heaven. Jesus says there is no one who leaves their family for his sake who will not receive a hundredfold inheritance. When we listen to the book of Mark, it becomes clear that Jesus is subverting people's expectations of how the world is supposed to work. Humankind seems to think that the great wield power by lording it over others, through defrauding others, and buying into the empire structures. Jesus restructures our worldview by challenging the order of our social lives. It is no longer the incredibly wealthy who have power. The powerful, according to human structures, are actually last in the kingdom of God. Jesus reimagines this status and this power. Jesus teaches that those who appear to have no advantage from a human standpoint are actually the first in the kingdom of God. In order to have true power and to participate in a true inheritance, we must do so according to Jesus' definition of these terms. To be powerful, we must love each other and share our resources. Here's what I'd like each of us to do this week. Consider the power that you have according to human standards. 
We all have power. We live in one of the wealthiest countries of this entire world. How can God flip your status upside down? How can you give dignity and respect to those being defrauded? I want each of us to feel empowered, to use our power to serve others. Let the Holy Spirit empower you to make a difference and to participate in God's inheritance. South Elkhorn Christian Church, imagine a better way with me today. How can we love others this week? Is there a black-owned shop that you can shop at instead of going somewhere else? Could you donate to a local shelter for people experiencing homelessness? Perhaps you could be a foster parent or donate to the Trevor Project or your favorite charity. If you employ others, perhaps you could give them a raise. Maybe you could donate to an HBCU scholarship fund. Or maybe you could help take care of Afghan refugees. Who knows, maybe you could sell all of your belongings and give the money to the poor. Imagine using your power in this life to make a difference and then go do it. What is Jesus calling you to do? Will you follow him? I know it's scary and you might feel vulnerable, but that's okay. Jesus loves you and I do too. We're all in this together if we want to be. Will you follow the king who traded it all for a crown of thorns? Will you follow Jesus, the true king of the world? Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkhorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.